0: This is Paul. This is Wayne. So about a week ago, I came home from dinner and a storm had come through and blown down a whole bunch of my tree limbs and the entire fence on the west side of the house. Oh. Now, now with, Wayne knows exactly what this means. This means yes. that uh, you're walking dogs until the fence is fixed. You know, anytime they need to go and, and take care of any business— You're walking the dogs, right? And so uh, that is frustrating for people lazy like us. Right, and and, you know, it's it's you know you 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 forget what a luxury it is to be able to stagger out of bed at six o'clock in the in the morning, or in my case, five o'clock in the morning, and you know, stagger down the hallway, open up the back door, and just let them go run outside while you just kind of you know ponder how ridiculously early it is. Instead of having to actually put on some some form of clothing and then leash up your dogs and and walk them around so that they can, you know, take care of of what nature has put inside of them. Um, I would like to point out that it makes you much too aware of your dog's digestive cycles. And all I can say is that my dog, Walter, is a shit machine three times a day, three times a day. And it's not just like little bitty poops; these are massive, massive turds. <laughs> Shit machine wall. I mean, there should be some sort of of uh, industry involved around what he what he what he does and accomplishes three times a day. It's amazing to me.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> he sits there in awe. I don't mean to be crass, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're See, like I know what my, you eat. Yeah,
2: my dog Chloe's weird about that she won't ever poop when I walk her. Uh So like when I've had the backyard, um, something where I couldn't let her out, I, she would only, it's like, she saves it and she'll do like once a day, but if she's in the backyard without me standing there watching her, she doesn't know I'm looking out the window. She'll poop like crazy. Well, and and she doesn't want to be
0: watched. Something else that totally frustrates me about this. And you guys have heard me opine about my dog, Elmer. Uh, our dachshund who doesn't like me very much, he is so weird you know, uh, I I talked on uh, Star Trek Aegean some time ago about how how he's afraid of this little copse of trees, he won't go into the trees, uh, you know because it's like he's afraid there's clowns or something in there, but he won't walk in wet grass He, he is like so prissy that he's like, oh, no, no, I, I can't get my feet wet. Are you crazy? And I mean, he, he just, he will do everything he can not to get his feet wet, even if it's just damp grass. And, and, and so it, walking Elmer largely involves me dragging him across the yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very enjoyable situation when Aaron's walking the dogs first thing in the morning. Well, I hope you can get your feds fixed soon because that Tuesday. is horribly frustrating. They tell me Tuesday. They said it should be done by one o'clock Tuesday. I'm
1: super excited about this. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned frustrating things, Wayne. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we are collectors on this podcast. You know, I think we've all gotten out of the hobbit, habit, hobbit, hobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 the hobbit. We've all gotten out of the hobbit of um, collecting physical comics Uh, you know we switched to digital but one thing that you can't switch to digital is your collectibles right you can't you know collectible toys aren't aren't a thing um but you know there there are there are hobbies that i that i have become involved in and unfortunately now my sister has become involved in that are frustrating hobbies and i speak my friends of funko pops (laughs) <laughs> Funko is <laughs> Paul, legit. Like it, it is a sickness, Paul. It, not only is it a sickness, it's a frustrating sickness. Because like Star Wars toys or things like that, like you'll eventually get them. Like you go to a midnight sale, there's a good chance you're gonna get the stuff. Or, you know, if you wait just two weeks, it'll be available. Funko Pops, it is it is the the definition of the goose chase, <laughs> the wild goose chase. Uh okay and on top of it now um you know now they've they have Funko pez dispensers so you get the Funko fans and the pez fans and i got to tell you like my sister has started getting into the funko stuff and uh you know it is it is it is a frustrating frustrating hobby it, it you so, will there are things you will just never find and you just have to deal with it so thankfully i never really got into
2: it i don't care for most funkos but i do have about 5 of them and uh the, I had one that it took me probably two months to find. And that was when I found out they had Darkwing Duck. Yeah. And yeah, I looked everywhere for that thing. I don't remember where I finally found it, but it took me about two months to find the thing because there are so many freaking fun pops everywhere.
0: And you go in, you're overwhelmed by a wall full of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean,. The the Funkos are ubiquitous except for the ones you're looking for, I guess. I, yeah. I'm not a big Funko guy. Uh, I only have the ones that you know. I just I'm I'm really impressed by the modeling of them and whatnot. I've got three of them that are absolutely my favorite though. And they're the ones you gave me this year, Paul, of the Green Lanterns, where it's got uh, you know Chip and Kilowog and Guy Gardner. Yeah, I love those. I love those things because because the modeling on them is so
1: unique. On each one of those. And I love Funko Pops. I mean, they, they scratch me right where I itch because they have that, like, deformed, big head look that I, I just... I, I've always been, like, fascinated with that 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 type of style. And so it's just funny that, like, man, they are just hard to get, though. And, um, you know, I... I and, and the Pez thing. My sister's into the Pez thing, so she has me on the search for certain things. And it's frustrating. And on top of that, yesterday... Now, anyone who's been watching our YouTube channel for a couple of years knows that every year I go to Yankee Candle for the release of their Halloween line of products. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to post the video, uh, probably by the time you guys listen to this, the video will be up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ideology of madness. I just have this I just have this image in my head of going, "Ooh, look, they've got a new vanilla candle. (laughs) No, they're all so they have like a line of like they're called the Bony Bunch and they're like skeleton characters that they do. You know, they're like in different poses or or costumes or things like that. Like this year, there's a pirate ship one and I got him and there's one that's dressed like a doctor and I got him. Um, But like. You know, I went to the Yankee Candle store, and there were maybe 20 people there, but all of the the new releases were on one table, and it was like a feeding frenzy. It, it was just crazy, like people climbing on top of each other. Like within three minutes, that table was 75% empty of the product that it had on it when they opened the doors. It was insanity. Oh, I've, I've seen that back when
2: uh, Beanie Babies had its craze. I worked at Six Flags, and we had one store that sold Beanie Babies. And one of the things about them is to sell them, the actual Thai ones, you can't do a markup. So everything at Six Flags is marked up, but they're the normal price. Oh. So people would wait for the park to open. And you would see women in like power business suits running from the front gate to the store to get the, uh, the Beanie Babies because of
1: the the whole crazy collector aspect of it it's a thing you know it it is definitely a thing and so you know the Funko Pops I have largely pulled out of Um, there's only you know a a select few that I'm more interested in now things like uh, horror movie icons um, and and He-Man basically are, are primarily the lines that I'm sticking with um, you know, kind of hopping out of the Star Wars stuff, looking looking to to conserve space in in the space that I have. But yeah, ooh. there's too much to get everything. Yeah. Um. So I don't really do.
2: I used to get action figures and things, but I don't really buy a lot of those anymore, unless it's something really special. So this week I bought one, uh, the new Marvel uh, Masterworks line. I think it's called Masterworks. I think you're basically right. the twenty dollars figures. Yeah. They yeah. released it they released a new venom line. One of the characters in it is Spider-Ham. So I had to rush out and pick up Spider-Ham. Oh yeah, I think I saw that on uh, your Instagram or one of your social media things. Yep, I actually shared a picture of it and I don't really do media, you know, social media and
1: share stuff, but it's Spider-Ham. I had to share that. But he'll hop into your DMs with a penis pick any day of the <laughs> week. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, speaking of sad things, um, this week *Guardians of the Galaxy* Volume Three was announced that it would be put on hold. Um, the cast and crew were basically told, "Hey, go ahead and look for other jobs," uh, yeah. because Disney um, is, I, I guess you know, retooling or figuring out who's going to direct it or, or, you know, just trying to figure out what to do with the franchise because they have decided they are not going to rehire James Gunn, no matter what anybody says. Um, And on top of that, I think they are struggling to find directors who will take it, uh, you know, they, they, you know, take, you know, taking the side of James Gunn, or quite frankly, just afraid of, of working for the mouse. And I've got to imagine, and um, then I'll shut up and let you, you know, hear you guys thoughts. I've got to imagine that this is going to affect every Marvel film going forward.
0: I would think so. And, you know, part of that's not just them looking for the director, but their entire cast and crew was re- was, you know, revolting about uh, the termination of James Gunn. So I imagine that it, it's a pretty unhappy company of actors and uh, uh, technical folks uh, involved around that film, and I mean, you know, when you when you contrast that to the very happy sets of uh, volumes one and two, uh, that's got to be a big shift, you know, and in tone, um, you know, and I think that those those happy fun movies that we really enjoyed of Guardians of the Galaxy, I think a lot of that's you know the tone set by James Gunn and how much everybody on the set likes each other. And when when you when you are absent the person who set that tone, I think it makes it really hard to do that. And I wouldn't want to step into that. You know, if I was another director, Um, they're going to it's going to be a big search to find somebody who can do something that uh, can do what James Gunn was so successful at doing.
2: Yeah. And like Paul said, who's willing to step in because, you know. I, I signed the petition. I was really hoping Disney would change their mind on this, would back off. I think it was a wrong decision on their Absolutely. part, and I don't think they can do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie again.
1: Yeah. Well, the problem I, is, you know, because James Gunn pokes the bear, uh, or has poked the bear of the the, you know, the conservative, you know, uh, supporter and and the, the angry conservative supporter, I should say, because not all conservatives are bad. Um, (laughs) he, uh, you know, when, 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 when it it got out that Disney was reconsidering, you know, then all of a sudden pictures were linked of a, a themed party that he had gone to years ago that was to catch a predator where he dressed as a priest. And, um, you know, it was just one of those like dark, darkly themed Halloween parties. And, you know, it's like James Gunn is still making light of pedophilia. And so it's, you know, it, 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 I think regardless he only does it, Paul, because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought so. But um,
2: <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a pretty funny costume. Yeah. And uh, I love how Paul backtracks so he doesn't poke the
0: conservatives. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not all of you are bad. Um, but uh, I wanted to a Guardians of the Galaxy movie someday. So,
1: you know. Yeah. But that's uh, why, that's why he's being cautious. Yeah. No joke. Uh, but yeah, I, I I've got to imagine unless you are under contract with Marvel right now, I think a lot of directors are are reconsidering being involved in those films going forward because James Gunn is well liked, um, you know, throughout Hollywood, and I I just got to imagine that there there is going to be an issue with finding directors uh, going forward on their movies unless they're already under contract. Yeah, because well, Marvel know- doesn't show people the money really.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I agree. And I, I just think it's a huge mistake for DC to cave like this. or I'm sorry, DC Marvel to cave like this. Um, I, I just think it's a huge mistake. I, I think that uh, that, uh, you know, you just got to tell people at some point, you know, the past is the past. And I mean, James Gunn himself has said, hey, I'm not that same guy. Yeah, haven't been that guy for a long time. But apparently, you know, if you ever said or did anything stupid, um, that can't be forgiven ever, you know, unless you're the president of the United States. So uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) all the conservative jokes today.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's true. I mean, how many how many Nimrod things does has the president of the United States done in his life? But yet that doesn't seem to matter. But God, if you're a director in Hollywood, you can't direct a a comic book movie.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's uh, if DC's smart. They'll they'll swoop up James Gunn for for some type of property. I
0: would. I if I if if I was uh, Warner or, you know, I, yeah, if I was Warner, I would snatch that guy up. I was going to say if I was directing a Star Wars movie, I'd, I'd, I'd snatch him up. But you know who ought to grab him, Paul? Star Trek. Yeah.
1: You oh, know? yeah. I mean,
0: everybody who's not Disney should be vying to get that guy and star- he would be great for Star Trek. Yeah, and you particularly know could- the J.J. Abrams stuff.
2: You know what I'd love to see him do? I'd love to see a Teen Titans movie, oh, yeah. like with him directing, where it's actually fun and they turn the lights on, and it doesn't end in a. Well, it can end in a giant CG battle, but at least make it not look like a giant
1: CG battle. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing: I'm no fan of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I love, I was a Volume One, but not a Volume Two. But I think James Gunn has a lot of talent, and I, I do hope he's able to find work. It, it is funny the how M- Disney slash Marvel handled the- it versus J.K. Rowling, and how Warner Brothers handled Johnny Depp being cast in in the new Harry Potter, you know, Fantastic Beasts movie. Because, I mean, that dude's a wife beater. And they're like, you know what? What happened was between him and his wife, they have since reconciled. Everything's fine between them, so we don't judge. And, you know, they, they approached it very maturely, um, you know, to the, to the fan base. And now, like, no one talks about it. And if Marvel had just approached it with the same uh, maturity, I think we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. They would have just said, hey, James Gunn, stay off social media. And uh, for a little while, till things quiet down. And right now, they'd already be filming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three.
0: Well, you know, if if we only have people involved who are perfect, who have never said or done something that was offensive, all of our superhero movies will feature Kirk Cameron.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 they'll be written. They'll all be written, directed, and starring Kirk Cameron. <laughs> And, uh, oh,
2: they'll all be the Disney kids that don't control their own social media and then when they turn eighteen they'll suddenly train wreck and you know OD on drugs.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and, and every lead character will be named Christian White. And uh <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, uh, well, <laughs> well, you know, dark,
2: future,
0: paint, Paul.
1: Well, you know, this is the conversation Tim joins us. <laughs> well, well, we'll change up for Tim because we were talking about Disney and the, the decisions they made in regards to James Gunn, but I've got to imagine that Dark Horse might be shaking in their boots as it relates to Disney, also, because Disney. Uh, you know, has purchased 20th Century Fox now, which features the rights to Predator, aliens, and, and that whole line of, of products. Um, but in addition to that, not only has is their um, Buffy license ending, but Marvel is assuming rights of Conan. Uh, so Conan is coming from Marvel Comics, from Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Azrar. Uh, so what does Dark Horse have left?
0: Um. Other than Hellboy
1: and the BPRD, not much. Well, and even yeah. then, you know, Hellboy itself is pretty much over. I've got to imagine at some point Mike Mignola will walk away from the thing entirely.
0: Well, so Hellboy, I, Hellboy, I is back, com- Hellboy is back, by the that- way.
1: Hellboy is alive and back, by the way. He's in the pages of BPRD. What? Yeah. Not Hellboy's in a flashback? Alive. Not in a, not flash- in a flashback. He, he is fully resurrected.
2: Oh. Yeah. I remember us having this conversation when uh, Marvel took over the Disney comics, too, it's like, what does Dark Horse have if they don't have the Disney – or
1: the Star Wars comics? Yeah, they've got to yeah. invest in something.
0: Well, I, you know, IDW has uh, got the uh, the market cornered on the My Little Pony books, I think. Um, <laughs> well, that, that That's good. That's <laughs> – yeah. Glad that's happening. And they've got the tra- – they've got all the Hasbro properties. they got Micronauts and Transformers and G.I. Joe. Yeah. ROM. Um, yeah. The Transformers so, do pretty well for them, too. Yeah, and they've got the Star Trek property. So, I mean, the, a, unless they're going to go, you know, dislodge some contracts from IDW, I can't imagine what Dark Horse does. And other than Hellboy, they've never been particularly successful at generating their own content. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, next men, I'm sure they'll
1: bring con- Next Men back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I
0: mean, yeah, we could certainly bring back uh, everyone's, uh, you know, favorite John Byrne and, you know, some other rape comic fantasy that uh, he he can generate. So, yeah,
2: that'll oh, so be
0: fun. <laughs> Dark Horse used to have more properties too. Not They used to have more of their own stuff like Grendel and some well, of and that, they, but and they had comics greatest world, uh, which I really enjoyed, which had, uh, you know, heroes like Catalyst and. Uh, X- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Barbarella. Uh, you know, I loved the, those series of books, but again, it, it was me and maybe five other people who enjoyed those. Yeah. They they were never very successful. You know what? Dark Horse... It is
2: sad when you look at a company and the only things that they do that are successful are licensed properties. Well, right?
1: Hellboy, right? Other than Hellboy, but yeah. that's a flu- that is a fluke. But I will say, I, you know, I I had forgotten something when we started this conversation, which is that Dark Horse is uh, publishing Stranger Things comics. Now, how well will they do? I don't know. Stranger Things is, is right now huge. Um, so it could do well for them. Have but, you um, read a
0: Stranger Things comic?
1: It hasn't come out yet. Oh. Yeah, it has. Oh. I bought the first issue, but I hadn't didn't read it yet. Well, then the answer is no. <laughs> 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 uh, well, you know, I, I had mentioned Conan with Jason Aaron. Um, Esad Ribic is on the covers, I believe. Um,
0: I like I like the take. Yeah. that uh, Jason Aaron has on that. You know, uh, Conan is a character who exists in uh, several different periods of time. You know, so you've got, you know Conan the Barbarian, Conan the destroyer, King Conan, you know, uh, and so you you've got these these stories that uh, that are told during different places in his life. He's never just a thing, right? And i I like that Jason Aaron's plan is to tell a 12-part story where it's it's one theme running through the whole thing, but you're going to see it told in different periods of Conan's life. I like how that ties together. Because one of the things, I like, I'm a real big King Conan fan. Yeah. Um, I, what I dislike is having to slog through all the other stuff to get to what I like. Uh, and we tend to spend a lot of time with Conan as Barbarian, right? Versus those other periods. So I like the idea that he's going to kind of intermingle all of that.
1: Yeah. I'm looking and, forward to it. I think it'll be a good book. I'll, I'll certainly give it a shot. Well, we then that, that he's proven
0: he can write different eras of, of a character when he did the Thor Godbomb series when you had different eras in Thor's life that he was writing all in one book. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's almost and Jason Aaron said it himself in the interview around this is that he's kind of been training for this job his whole life that he's always wanted to write Conan and and it just seems like everything else has kind of prepared him for that. So, uh, I'm excited. I, it'll be a Conan book that, that, that I read. I, I I tend to get bored on Conan because I get a lot of what I, what I'm not interested in in Conan books. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm super excited
1: about this. Well, talking about this week's new releases, action comics, number one thousand two came out. The second action comics issue from Brian, Michael Bendis and Pat Gleason. Um, couple of variant covers you know the pay, the book starts up with one of bendis's like trademark marvel things which is um you know in marvel it was always some type of whiteboard or computer screen or something that had a bunch of like easter eggs and hints of the future and crap like that and in this case it's it's clark kent's desk with all these little post-it notes which i've got to imagine superman doesn't need but maybe <laughs> he maybe superman doesn't have a super memory and he needs tons of little post-it notes to keep track of things. Um, you know, so it starts with the off with that, and you know, and and then continues on the story of the fires around Metropolis, all that stuff that was set up in the Man of Steel book. And so, you know, I think we were lukewarm on the first issue, but it sounds like a couple of us gave it a second shot. So, Wayne, why don't you start us off? What would you think of Action Comics One Thousand Two? All right, my first complaint is the artwork. <clears throat> Some of this artwork is perfectly fine.
2: Some of the superhero costume stuff is fine. But when they're out of costume, I look at this picture of Perry White, and he looks like an ape. The face is just utterly wrong. And then I look at Clark throughout this, and Clark is done as this bigger, chubbier... It kind of reminds me of the All-Star Superman art, where he just looks... I don't know, it's, it's hard to put what's wrong about it, but it's just big and chunky. But Superman doesn't look like that. So like when he takes off the glasses, suddenly he shrinks... Uh, I thought Guardian looked really well in costume,
0: but... Can I I complain about that page that you're talking about with Perry White? Yes, please do. So Perry White is holding up a copy of... What what newspaper is that he's holding up? Daily Planet. Okay, so it's the Daily Planet. And and he is the the chief editor, right? He's the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet, right? Yep. Nothing gets printed unless he signs off. That's right. So how in the world... Is the front page of the Daily Planet, Superman drops gangster to his death, and he's holding it up to the reporter saying, what the hell is this? How is it he doesn't know what's going to run as front page on his paper
1: when he's the the editor in chief? I assumed it was a prototype. I assumed that someone like printed it off the printer as this is your front page story and that it wasn't actually printed that way. But I could, but that's an assumption because it clearly it wasn't clear enough because you got, took it one way. I took it a different way. I, I I was, I I am. There are so
0: many things that frustrate me about the way Bendis tells his Superman stories. And the, the front page, the first page that you mentioned, Paul, with all the little post-its and the little inside jokes and whatnot, like, you know, remind Bendis to take his eye medicine or about his eye appointment. Um, I, I, I said it the last time. He hasn't been there long enough to be able to include himself on the inside jokes. He hasn't earned it yet. He is not a member of the bullpen. He's not the guy that that we started off with. I need him to earn it before he starts including himself in the joke. And he he's done this in, in at least two of the books now, and he's only a couple of books in. Um, and it just drives me crazy. It makes my brain itch on how Bendis is trying to ingratiate himself with the fans. The way you ingratiate yourself with the fans, Mister Bendis, is write a good goddamn story. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of story, I am sick and tired
2: already of this. Uh, Lois is gone, and everyone assumes that they've got that they're going to get a divorce, and that I'm done with that story point already. I never wanted it to begin with, but I'm sick of that. Every time we see Clark Kent at this point, I immediately groan because it means we're going to deal again with people talking to him about his wife leaving him. And leading to the end of this book, I'm sorry, she comes back to Earth. She's going to let him know right away. Yeah, I'm sure Bendis will have some convoluted explanation about
0: why she's sneaking around with a wig. But no, she would reach out to him. And maybe he explains this in the next issue, but we have long since established that Superman knows the sound of Lois's heartbeat, and that he can hear it across the world. So if she has ever said a word, he would have heard that. If her heartbeat returned to Earth, particularly when he is so freaked out that he can't find his family because they're off in the, the far reaches of space, he would hear that. I mean, I, I know that, that that is exponentially hard to believe, but we've established that in the canon of Superman yeah. uh, and not not even that long ago, <laughs> you know. And I mean, uh, so he does find her, but we don't know how long she's been back. Well, long enough for her to have written enough in this book and for someone to have seen the galleys. That's how long that didn't happen overnight. And again, I know we're, we're asked to suspend a lot of disbelief. But it just frustrates me that, number one, here is Clark Kent, who's supposed to be one of the best reporters on the planet, um, hadn't heard that Lois was writing a book and didn't know that the galleys were out. I mean, you know, it seems to me the easiest way to have figured that out was to just have a Google search. You know, I've I've got several where I get pings if certain news items happen. You would think,
1: I don't know, Superman might do the same. You would think so. Yeah. So, I, you know, I the, the issues you guys have with the story, I, I all agree with. Um, there are frustrating aspects to the story. And I'm going to give it one more issue because I want to find out what the hell's happening with Lois. But if I'm not pleased with, with the results, I'm out.
2: Same here. Got- he ended it on a cliffhanger that will get me to buy the next issue. But I'll begrudgingly do it while being pissed off
0: you know if if nothing else i'm happy he's writing this book because my
1: schadenfreude limit breaker right now is so full i'm so happy you guys (laughs) (laughs) but i I do have to say in regards to wayne's comments on the art uh wayne i i actually loved the art in this book um and for me it reminds me of old school joe casada art from like the 90s late 90s when he was doing like batman sword of azriel or the daredevil um Guardian Knight book with Kevin Smith. The art style seems so similar to that, and I I I like that art style. You know,
2: the art is really good on anything where it's in costume, but I just that Clark Kent is just it's wrong. He's big and he's chunky, and Clark is not a big muscular guy.
1: Well, you know, big muscular guys can kind of like get small. You know, can just with hunch over look a little chunky. I'm not. Yeah, but it's the face. and Perry looks like a monkey. Well, you know, I mean, maybe Clark binge eats before he puts on his uh, his Clark Kent attire and then does a couple of squats <laughs> before he puts on a Superman costume. You don't he, know. He's eat, he's eating his feelings.
0: Yeah. You know, he's sad right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, wait, Aaron, I, I, so wait, you know, I think we're on the same page as far as the next issue, but how about you, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I'll pick up the next issue, but I'm just I am super frustrated
0: with this book. And I, I wish that I wasn't. I mean, when I when it it all just seems change for change's sake. And I know I've said that before, so I won't beat that horse any longer. But it, it seems like we 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 just made some changes uh, uh, just to make them. And I hate that about this book because
1: I enjoyed it so much just a few months ago exactly like it was actually really good a few months ago and now um everything i liked about the book is no longer there and i'm already out on um the 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 superman title i think i i think it's on issue three and i didn't even bother picking up issue three but i'll i'll give one more issue to action comics and you know and if i don't appreciate it if i don't like it then uh you know i'll i'll have an extra spot in my read list yep Well, which is good because, you know, this new Justice League book came out. And I know I'm the only one who read it. Well, I don't know. Tim, did you read Justice League Dark? Nope. It's got a monkey in it. Ah, which is the reason <laughs> to read it.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I bought it, Paul. I just didn't get a chance to read it. So tell us how, how wonderful it was.
1: So usually we don't talk about books that we read that no one else has read. But the reason I wanted to talk about this book is because, one, it's a fantastic book. It, it is such a, a phenomenally told and artistically drawn book, um, that I, I totally recommend it. But the main reason I wanted to talk about it is to give a plug to the fact that night that Ghost of Rainsborough is coming back this Halloween season. And if you liked our previous Ghosts of Rainsborough, Justice League Dark reads like the DC version of that to me. Um, you know, it, it it's got gore, it's got you know carcasses coming back to life and transformed into monsters. It's, you know, it is a Justice League book with such a dark sensibility to it that it, it doesn't feel like a Justice League book. I think they just put that on that for the sales. Um, and, you know, the, the the final page of this book feels like it's straight out of, of of something that would have been told in Ghosts of Rainsborough. So for one, make sure you are um, subscribed to our uh, Rainsborough feed. You can find the link on our uh, IOM Geek website or on uh, iTunes by searching for Rainsboro, and two, check out Justice League Dark if you if you like a little horror with your superheroes because it's so good, so good. It's just as good as issue one, if not better. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm eager to read it. I'll probably read it this afternoon. I just I
0: didn't get a chance to do it before the show. Jerk. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Paul. That's I was so too cool. busy drinking beer at Brew City yesterday. Ah, double jerk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, next week in comic stores is it's a it's a fifth week, and you know it's usually fifth weeks have a couple of uh, big releases, but it seems like things are, are relatively light next week. If you uh, if you're interested, there is a Joker Daffy Duck crossover book uh, coming out, <laughs> written by Joey Cavalieri and uh, Scott Labdell with art by Brett Booth and Luciano Vecchio. Um, but the, the Luciano, per- Luciano, it's by Luciano. <laughs> Paul, are you getting that? Uh, I will tell you, I will look at the art. I don't like the way Daffy Duck looks on the cover. Um, so it just depends on how the interior art looks. Paul, Paul is, is more of a four-color Daffy Duck fan. Than, uh... <laughs> Daffy Duck is my favorite Looney Tunes character. Um, but one book that I actually will pick up uh, from Patrick Rothfuss and Jim Zub on writing, uh, art by oh. Troy Little. I'm sorry? It's Zub! Zub is Rick and Morty. And Dungeons and Dragons, which is an actual Rick and Morty, an official Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons crossover comic from IDW and Oni Press. Um, And I'm a fan of both. And Jim Zupp writes a pretty decent Dungeons and Dragons book. So I'll give it a shot. Seems like it'll be fun. Well, and, you know, I'm not sure when this episode is going to drop. But if it drops before
0: uh, Tuesday evening, uh, there is a fantastic The Flash sale on Comixology right now, and I uh, I picked up all three of the Mark Wade collections of uh, of The Flash. It's, it's one of my favorite periods. Spends a lot of time developing Wally West as the primary Flash back in those days. Yep, I am kicking myself because I picked them up on a
2: previous sale that was good, but not quite this good. <laughs> and I haven't read them yet,
1: so I could have waited. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting on I'm picking any of those things up because... With DC Universe, I'm wondering if it'll be much like Marvel Unlimited that will include those books, those catalog books in the, um, you know, in the cost. So I'm I'm, I'm holding off.
0: Yeah, I, I don't trust it, Paul. I don't trust it.
1: <laughs> well, uh, just a couple of quick uh, additional books coming out next week that I've forgotten to mention. Scarlet is returning from Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malieve. So if I you're did not mad. Like ad- that. Yeah, I did not like that the first time around.
0: Uh, when it not. was, uh, and so I, I won't be picking that up. As much as I'm enjoying Pearl, uh, or at least the first issue of Pearl, uh, I, I won't be picking up Scarlet.
1: And in additional DC um, and Looney Tunes crossovers, I uh, I've forgotten to mention there are. are three more coming out so they are taking advantage of that fifth week just with books that I'm not planning on reading um, <laughs> yeah same here so uh, there is a Lex Luther porky pig crossover from Jim Fanning Mark Russell um, with art by Brad Walker there is a, a Harley Quinn Gossamer if you're not familiar who with, with Gossamer is he's the giant fuzzy red animal thing from Amanda Connor Jimmy Palmiotti, um, and uh, you know David Alvarez on art and I
0: didn't know that the big red thing had a name.
1: Yeah.
2: I never knew that. Gossamer. So the only reason I knew it was, again, working at Six Flags. Yeah. yeah. It was on price tags and uh, in the computer systems. Mm-hmm. I
0: never knew it had a name.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. And Gail Simone writes Catwoman meets Tweety and Sylvester. Oh, dear. So uh, if, you, if you feel like wasting $5, you can pick up one of those books. If you feel like wasting $20, pick up all four. Paul, you just said you're wasting five dollars picking up one of those damn books. Well, I said You maybe. can't take the moral high ground after <laughs> <I>, you're <laughs> it it's called hypocrisy, and I've mastered it, so I can do whatever I want.
0: Now I gotta know, Paul. And I haven't seen any of the preview artwork for the Daffy Duck uh whatever crossover that's 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 coming up. Joker. Um and and I know Daffy Duck is your favorite Looney tune, right? Yes. Um is he wearing pants in the uh in, in the artwork that you've seen? He is not. Huh, okay. Well, at least I got that right.
1: Yeah, he he he's wearing a sweatshirt. Um it, it, it the uh the artist by Brett Booth. Um uh, yeah, it's it's uh, the Daffy Duck looks pretty rough. So, mm. we'll see. I'll look at the interior art. But I, I will okay. definitely pick up Rick and Morty and Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Okay. Well, just it's It it sounds like next week might be a little bit rough on funny books.
1: Yeah. It sounds like (laughs) next week may be a bye week on funny books. Just warning you guys in advance.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. It can't
1: be a bye week Paul. We have to make fun of you. (laughs) I'm sure you guys will find a reason the following week.
0: I'm sure we will because we are nothing if not dedicated to that mission. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys have a good one. Take care. Bye, everybody